Hi, my name is Julia Carpiso. And I'm Kira Rushing. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Fabcast. Today's episode is on abortion. Some of y'all about to be real mad at us, but it must be said. Just because a baby as small as a grain of rice has a heartbeat doesn't mean it's alive. We personally are pro-choice, but we also recognize the arguments of pro-lifers. So today we'll be looking at different aspects of each side and you can decide where you stand. Recently, the state of Alabama has adopted a new law called the Human Life Protection Act, a legislature signed by Governor Kay Ivey with the purpose of prohibiting abortions and overturning the Roe v. Wade decision made in 1973. The lawmakers rejected a proposal to add exceptions, not even for cases of rape or incest. If caught doing the procedure, doctors can be charged with a felony and face up to 99 years in prison. Another thing, rapists can sue the victim for choosing to abort their baby. To make matters worse, the woman will usually get more jail time than the rapist due to charges she will face. Abortion should remain legal because it is, after all, a fundamental right guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution, which the Supreme Court declared in Roe v. Wade. The landmark abortion case was decided on January 22, 1973, in favor of abortion rights and remains the law of the land. The 7-2 decision stated that the Constitution gives a guarantee of certain areas or zones of privacy and that this right of privacy is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. However, pro-lifers have a different stance and often use the word of God to make their case. In the Old Testament, God said that thou shalt not kill. Pro-life supporters would argue that abortion goes against God's will because killing a baby, even inside a womb, is considered murder, which is punishable by prison. Also, in Jeremiah 1.5, he states, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Basically, a child is still living even inside the womb, according to this verse. According to Time magazine, Governor Kay Ivey has a strong Christian faith and also states, the legislature has spoken. It underscores the sanctity of life the people of Alabama value so highly. However, the United States supports the separation of church and state, so we shouldn't let our religions make decisions for an entire state, much less the entire nation. In an attempt to justify the lack of exceptions for rape and incest, Representative Holly Rudder said, How can someone look at a child of rape and incest and care for them? I can say how we can do that. We can do that with the love of God. This statement alone hurts women, ignores our constitutional rights, and undermines the church-state separation. Therefore, the religion aspect is invalid because pro-lifers should not press their religion upon the whole nation. And now for a quick commercial break brought to you by our sponsors, Planned Parenthood. Are you thinking about getting an abortion? Worried about what other people will have to say about you? Well, don't. It's It's your body and your your choice. choice. Come into Planned Parenthood where we will respect your decision and provide you with the best care to keep you comfortable and safe. Remember, ladies, don't ever let a white politician make decisions for your body. Along with the argument of religion, pro-lifers believe that fetuses feel pain and is another reason why abortion should be illegal. According to Maureen Condick, fetuses can feel pain as early as eight weeks into the pregnancy. Also, Kenwell G. J. S. Anand says, if the fetus is beyond 20 weeks of gestation, I would assume that there would be pain caused to the fetus, and I believe it will be severe and excruciating pain. 
Bernard N. Nathanson, an abortion doctor who later quit his job and became pro-life, states that when an abortion is performed on a 12-week-old fetus, we see in an ultrasound image the child's mouth open in a silent scream. This is a silent scream of a child threatened imminently with extinction. People who support pro-life would argue that abortion should be made illegal because aborting a fetus would result in agonizing pain for the unsuspecting and innocent child. However, according to a review by Britain's Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, most neuroscientists believe that the cortex is necessary for pain perception. Basically, the cortex doesn't become functional until at least the 26th week of development, which is long after most abortions are performed. Another study made in University of California at San Francisco states that fetuses probably can't feel pain until the 29th or 30th week of gestation. Abortions that late into a pregnancy are extremely rare and are often restricted by state laws anyways, so it is very unlikely that this would happen. Also, according to Stuart W.G. Derbyshire, a senior lecturer at the University of Birmingham, he quotes, Fetuses cannot be held to experience pain. Not only has a biological development not yet occurred to support pain experience, but the environment after birth, so necessary to the development of pain experience, is also yet to occur. The flinching and other reactions seen in fetuses when they detect pain stimuli are mere reflexes, not an indication that the fetus is perceiving or feeling anything. Pro-life supporters also argue that the father of the child should have a say in whether or not the mother should abort the baby. After all, the fetus is still his child too. Even though men aren't the one carrying the baby, it doesn't mean that the child is any less theirs than it is the mom's. First of all, when men are excluded from the debate of abortion, they are basically denied the right to free speech. Men should be able to have a say in the argument because they are guaranteed the right to free speech under the First Amendment, which was established in 1791 and has been enforced ever since then, so why should we stop now? Also, women are inconsistent with the argument that men should not have a say. For example, a woman would have no problem if a man had something to say as long as he is pro-choice. This argument is completely biased because women would only allow men to have a say if his argument agrees with theirs. Furthermore, with the argument that men can't have a say because they are unable to have a baby, then infertile women should not have a say either. However, women would have no problem with an infertile woman having a say again if she is pro-choice. Finally, the debate of abortion affects the male deeply. Many pro-choice believers claim that men are not affected by abortion. However, they are clearly in the wrong. Since a fetus is a man's baby too, then killing it may have detrimental effects to the father, especially if he is against abortion. So, the partner should be able to have a say if in the abortion of his child. Despite their arguments, we do believe that men should be able to have a say, but they shouldn't make the decision to deny the right of abortions to women all across America. If the man has a problem with his baby's mother having an abortion, they should be able to talk it out instead of having a law setting a precedent for them. Especially in cases of rape or abuse, those men shouldn't have control over the woman's decision because it is, after all, her body and her choice. we believe the new abortion laws are too harsh and should be reformed. Although pro-life arguments do have some valid points, they also have flaws in those arguments. Instead of keeping the country progressing, these anti-abortion laws in Alabama ultimately takes away our rights, as if we're in the 17th century. We believe that all women should have the right to choose what they want to do with their own bodies.
Thanks for watching this episode of podcast. Tune in with us next time to learn more about white privilege. Oh, well. <laughs>